Hey everybody, Sam Marisak here, AKA the dietitianist. Combine the words dietitian and nutritionist. You get the gist. I am so excited. I have a friend, former Baylor teammate, Danielle Lewis with me this afternoon and a current US pro triathlete. And before I introduce her, my go-to disclaimer that this podcast is meant for informational and educational purposes only. It does not constitute a client-provider relationship, nor should it be used for individualized medical nutrition therapy advice. Should you have specific nutrition-related questions, I encourage you to contact me directly. D, mm-hmm. Hi. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. This first, I'm so excited to see your face, and then two, to talk to you. <laughs> Yes. Um, you just finished your workout for the day. What, what does that look like oh, right now? No, I'm, I'm not done there. I'm never done. <laughs> I rode my bike, uh, for just over two hours this morning and then, uh, had some food and then went and swam. I just got done swimming, I ate some more food. Now I'm talking to you and then I run after this. So then I'll be done and then I'll eat some more food <laughs> and then probably go to sleep. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> And, and do it all over again. I, I so rudely omitted all of your credentials, but um, do you want to share with listeners maybe some of the highlights as far as podium finishes and finishes like race wins, all that cool stuff? Oh, I mean, if you think it's cool, I, I don't know. I, it, it is what it is to me. Um, let's see. I started triathlon in 2017 went pro in 2018. So basically just threw myself into the deep end um, and have been steadily rising through the ranks over the years. Um, Have a handful of podiums and some first place finishes um, and have most currently ranked 29th in the world on the PTO rankings. So that's my highest ranking ever, which is uh, really solid. And, you know, the goal is the top 20 at least. So we'll just keep plugging and chugging. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I can't, I can't even fathom like one, the amount of commitment and just everyday consistency and the mental headspace you must have to operate in to function at that level on a regular basis. It certainly is challenging. Um, Yeah. I mean, you're constantly in this state of just being kind of uncomfortable, right? You're always hungry and tired, <laughs> maybe sore, <laughs> fatigue, just you always just want to nap. Um, <laughs> if it, so like the best part of it all is when you actually like get to taper and then you just feel amazing. And it's like, I just wish I could feel like this all the time. <laughs> yeah. Having to put your body under constant stress, I'm sure. Obviously. Yeah. It's, I mean, you break it down just to let it rebuild and get stronger. So before we talk about present, is it cool if we rewind back to Baylor Bear days? Please. Yeah. So I don't even know if I've ever shared this with you. And you probably don't remember. But when I came on my official visit to Baylor, you and I met up for an easy run. Well, okay. You said this is just an easy <laughs> run. And we did we did two loops around the Bear Trail. And I remember thinking in my head, like, oh my gosh, if this is easy pace, this is insane. And I want more. Coupled with meeting Hagen's, I went to a class with Hagen. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she and I keep in touch quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. She's, she's also in the yeah. pro world. 
and I just remember thinking if this is what they're like easy breezy is I want to I want to be this I want to get to this point and so kudos to you because you were a huge again I don't know if I ever expressed it at the time but I was like wow like the culture and the vibe at Baylor at that time was just surreal oh that's awesome that's cool wait I'm trying to remember were you two years behind me um I was there oh eight or was it yeah, yeah. Okay. So that would be two years behind me. Okay. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't know it, this was the days before like smart watches. I think yes. like we had like the original, like bulky garments. There's like yeah. red and black things <laughs> that we got. With and that the, was, yeah. The awful heart rate monitor that chafed the crap out of your rib cage yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so you know like easy pace like I don't know I don't know what we ever were really running you know is in regards to like easy and fast it was like well you know coach Harvard go out there with his little um his little what the what were those things called you know like it had the wheel on the bottom and it would like measure the oh, distance that's a good question I don't know I just called it you know what I'm talking about though right yeah, that orange wheel. And he'd like mark off 1000s for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just went off that or we knew like the like the cemetery loops that we used to do all the time for our tempo runs. We just <laughs> had an idea of like, you know, how far the loops were. Um, so yeah. anyway, it's just interesting. It's interesting to think back because like we didn't have I feel like you're so old now saying like, oh, we didn't have like back in the day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But like we didn't have like Instagram. I think Facebook had just started started around the time we were in college. Um, and it's like, man, what, it's like the amazing opportunities that student athletes have now with being able to leverage their social media and grow that now. It's, it's pretty cool. It is, it is. I do think they also have some other maybe unique challenges that weren't necessarily present. Uh, you know, a decade ago in regards to Title IX and competition based on gender. So, you know, true, lots of different nuances. But um, yeah, so one just kind of wanted to shout that out and say, thank you, because um, yeah. And going from Baylor to the triathlete world, like, talk us through that journey. Well, that was kind of um, a roller coaster. Uh, you know, let's see, I, when I started, um, my running career at Baylor, um, basically jumped right in. I never registered, um, while I was there. Um, but my senior year, I ended up getting sick. I had mono and a vitamin D deficiency, pretty severe vitamin D deficiency. And so like, it was like severe, like muscle aches, big fatigue, um, kind of like depressed because that comes with like vitamin D deficiency. Um, yeah, I was kind of in a rough spot. And I think when I look back, like if I think about like why like my body was kind of breaking down at this point, um, you know, we had DEXA scans that we did once mm -hmm. a year and I came in and I think I may have been, I was around like, um, I want to say like maybe like 12 or 14% when I started in like my freshman year. Um, and I'm a pretty, I'm just naturally a lean person. 
Um, so it's pretty easy for me to like gain muscle, lose fat. And so the course of those four years, my body fat got down to like 4% according to the DEXA, which is like <laughs> really, really unhealthy um, for women. And so anyways, I think that's one of the reasons why my body just kind of like started shutting down towards, you know, my senior year. Um, but I went in to speak with coach Harbor and I, you know, I was like, can I redshirt? And the basic short, long story short, the answer was no, just because there weren't any funds available. Um, excuse me, because he had already allocated funds for other athletes, um, that were coming in. And so I would have had to like take time off school and then come back later. And I just was like, I don't want to do that. I just kind of want to finish my career. Um, so that was like the end of my college career. I remember my last race was, uh, in Fayetteville at an indoor, the, what was that? The Arkansas indoor. Yeah. Um, and I remember I was doing the indoor mile and gosh, I felt, it just felt like I was running like world record pace. Right. But my mile split was like slower than high school. Um, and so I just knew like there was something wrong with my body, you know, at the time I didn't know exactly what was going on. Um, and so that was, that was a tough, that was tough. Um, eventually went and got some labs and stuff done. We figured out what was going on. And so tried to red shirt, didn't work out. And so that was kind of the end of my running career. Um, and then that kind of sent me into like another dark place. I uh, was pretty depressed and ended up gaining like 50 pounds in one year after that. Um, I think part of it also is like my body just kind of had this like rubber band effect, right. Where I just kind of mm -hmm. got really lean and then it was like, okay, now you're not exercising. So now it's just kind of like, hang on to everything. Um, so there, that was part of it. And then the other part was that I wasn't exercising and I was like sitting on my couch eating like boxes of cereal. Cause I was really mad <laughs> and sad and hurt and grieving over how my running career ended. Um, so then about a year later, uh, yeah, I just kind of had a light bulb moment and was like, you know, I can do whatever I want to do if I just set my mind to do it. Um, and so I gave myself a workout plan, uh, a nutrition plan and just got to work on losing the weight, getting myself healthy again and getting myself happy. Um, I started triathlon actually at that time. All right. I did like, I did one, one or two tries. I did two tries, I think. Um, and did really well in those. And I thought, okay, I'm going to start going down this triathlon um, path. But then I had a bike accident, fractured my shoulder. And then obviously because of that, I had to get surgery. I couldn't swim, but I could ride my bike. Um, mm -hmm. And so I just started riding my bike more. And then I started racing my bike. And then within three years was on um, kind of a, a domestic elite team traveling around the country racing. Um and then in 2014, I had another bike crash, fractured a few bones in my back. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to shut down like cycling, racing, just because, you know, when you're laying on the side of the road, not sure if you can move your legs, it's really scary. Um, and I just didn't, it was just, yeah, I think that was just pretty scary. And then I also um, was in a different relationship at the time and wanted to focus on that and then focus on my career in public health. Um, I have a master's I, I, during a lot of that time. I was also getting my master's degree at Baylor in public health. Um, so I had a good job at the, in the healthcare system that I wanted to focus on. So I just decided to put my athletic aspirations on the back burner while I just focus on other things in my life. 
Um, and then, oh gosh, let's see, that lasted just for a few years um, until I just recognized that I was really unhappy um, again, because like, you know, it's when you have a dream, right. And for the long, ever since I was a little girl, I always said I wanted to be a professional athlete. I didn't care what sport it was in. I just wanted to be a professional athlete. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And I still, you know, thought that triathlon could be for me. Um, but I was living, I think for other people. Um, but then also like, I don't know, living in like fear or just, I, there's a lot of reasons why I didn't pursue it. Um, but then in 2017, I was like, you know, this is my year. This is the year I'm going to take back with the the fear, the lies, the doubt, all of that soul for me. And I'm going to go for it. Um, and so I started training for triathlon. I ended up winning all three USAT duathlon national titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then earned my pro license as well that year um and then went pro in 2018 and now i'm i am where i am now <laughs> so Jeez, a that... long long story i told you it's a roller coaster <laughs> i literally was gonna say so many twists and turns and i'm sure at the time for certain moments you possibly thought oh my gosh like i don't understand this but i bet looking back retrospectively potentially i don't know correct me if i'm wrong do you ever feel like wow like xyz sucked at the time but you know, it allowed this or it opened this opportunity or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, all of it has made me into who I am today. Right. Um, what I have liked to have started triathlon much earlier in my life. Yes. I would have really liked to learn how to swim before the age of like 27. <laughs> Cause that's, uh, that's still like one of the biggest struggles that I have in the sport. Um, uh-huh. but you know, at the end of the day, this story is one that it, it really has made me who I am. Um, and I've also always said that I want to be a professional athlete, but not just for myself. I want to do it to be able to have a platform to encourage, motivate, and empower other people to also pursue their goals and their dreams and their aspirations. Because I have been through some of those really hard valleys, right? And these journeys aren't easy. Um, but now because I've gone through what I've gone through, I do have that platform to be able to say like, it sucks, but you can get through it, you know? So if I may, I'm taking this directly from your website. Oh gosh. <laughs> no, it's echoing essentially what, what you're sharing. Danielle says, yeah. as a young girl, I always knew I wanted to be a professional athlete. The path to get here was packed with lots of good, but also many challenges. I've been granted a story of challenges to inspire other dreamers to believe in their dreams. Because if you see the dream and believe in it, you are meant to do it. It is your time. Let nothing stop you. That gives me goosebumps. Man, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Like, yes, everyone has a story. And... Yeah, they can't all be like happy chapters. No, and yeah, I think that's part of what makes life beautiful. I mean, you can't appreciate the good without the bad, right? I mean, it's kind of cliche, but it's very true. Mm-hmm. Um, for whenever you climb to get to any view, to appreciate the view, you have to climb to get there. Um, yeah. 
So, yeah, I think it's hard though, obviously when you're in the moment to remind yourself just to stay present and, um, not to be, not to allow yourself to get too overwhelmed with everything coming at you. So, yeah, one, one step at a time, I think, or stroke or pedal stroke. I was talking swim stroke, but pedal stroke, (laughs) um, (laughs) um, question for you because I'm a dietitian, how has your nutrition over your professional career changed and evolved to match your level of competition? Yeah, it's definitely, um, it definitely has changed and evolved. So when I was in college, so I'll just give you a little bit of context. I am just shy of 5'10", like 5'9", and like a half to three quarters, somewhere in that range. Mm -hmm. Depends on how hydrated I am on the day, right? (laughs) Um, so, and then, so in college, I weighed about anywhere from, well, like a healthy weight was about like 128, 130, kind of like right there in that range. So I am now as a triathlete, much stronger, um, and healthier. I am about 10 to 12 pounds heavier than I was in college. So right now I hover at like 140 plus or minus two pounds, depending on the time of year. Um, Mm -hmm. and I mean, I am just a much stronger person. Just I've, everything is more developed, right? Because well, when you're running, you don't really need much of your body strength, right? Um, but in triathlon, you need everything, right? Because swimming is a complete total body uh, sport. Cycling also requires total body strength. Um, and then running, it's a different type of running. Triathlon running is not like just pure endurance running. Um, there's maybe a, a little bit of different mechanics, um, just because you have been running or you're running off of the bike and mm-hmm. you're also, at least an Ironman, I mean, you're running a marathon off the bike too. So, um, learning how to be very efficient is really important. Um, so in regards to diet in college, I mean, I can't say that we really ate the best, you know, I don't know if you and I have talked about it too much, but I feel like in college, you know, we had a good environment, right. And it was, a, it, I felt like it was mostly a healthy competitive environment, but at the same time, there was this element of like seeing and looking what other people are eating. Right. And just trying to like judge what you should eat based on what somebody else is eating. And it wasn't always the best. And I feel like we didn't have necessarily eating disorders. I know that there were some that struggled with things, but I feel like for the most part, we all had maybe disordered eating um, where there was a lot of limitations on not taking in, not eating enough fat or not, or avoiding fat rather um, and avoiding certain foods. Um, Now I don't avoid anything. I have a really well-rounded diet. I mean, obviously I'm burning thousands of calories a day So I need to be taking in several thousands of calories every day. Um, And so I'm obviously lots of protein, um, lots of carbs and lots of healthy fats. Um, And then uh, depending on also the time of year, like I'll make sure that I'm eating maybe extra, like just getting extra calories, whether it's like ice cream or pizza or cookies, you know, like there's times in my training where I just need calories. Mm-hmm. Um, now when it comes to like getting into race, like pure race shape, 
Um, maybe there'd be a time to like cut a little bit, but overall everything stays really well-rounded. That's kind of a long answer, but. No, I think, I think you touched on all those points. I wonder someone at your level is because there's so much data and data is great for measuring progress. Is there, do you feel, Hey, yes, it's, it's imperative that athletes at this level track their nutrition as well on a regular basis. So I think that it, if you're, if you, if you don't, if you're not super in tune with your body, Mm -hmm. I think that it is wise to go through periods where you are tracking your um, nutrition daily, because then you get an idea of like, okay, wow, I feel like I'm eating a lot, but I'm really not eating enough because so we, I use training peaks. Um, and it's an online platform that uploads all of my workouts to the, the platform. And then you can analyze all the workouts, but it also gives an estimation of how many calories you've lost. So you can actually see an estimation of how much you've lost during the day. Um, mm-hmm. and now I've linked my fitness pal with it before mm-hmm. and, uh, use that to log my food just to be like, okay, let's just, let's just do an inventory and see how much I'm getting in. Um, and that way I can see, uh, how many calories I'm taking in also the macros. Um, and then you can also look at the micros too. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that it is good for a period of time to kind of dial things in, but then once you kind of have a good idea of how much you're needing, not mm-hmm. being a slave to it is also important. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I think, I think that's great. How, how often, um, are you getting any sort of like lab tests or ways to track any potential nutritional deficiencies, things like that? Yeah. So anytime I feel like I'm just off or, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not like uh, consistently underperforming for a period of time, I'll get labs done. Um, and then other, otherwise it's at least twice a year up to, it should be about quarterly is, mm-hmm. you know, um, that's my goal, but it's definitely twice a year at at minimum. Yeah. Y'all my plug for Siete Foods. If you are an individual client of mine, you already know that dietitianist clients receive Siete Foods products at a discounted rate. I wanted to share for those who maybe do not know all of the amazing products that are Siete Foods. It is a mission-based company and they are passionate about making and sharing real food, gathering together an authentic community and advocating for healthier lifestyles among Latino families. They offer a variety of cookies, taco sauces, taco seasonings, tortilla chips, grain-free tortillas, and a variety of products that need to make your table. If you do not know where to find them, you can check them out on Instagram at Siete Foods or by going directly to their website at www.sietefoods.com. And I know because I've I've been following you um, throughout your career. Currently, perfect precision fuel and hydration is your go-to. Correct? 
Yes. For fueling and training and racing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about, about them at all and their, their product? Sure. Absolutely. So learning how to fuel for triathlon has been, you know, kind of a, (laughs) there's been a big learning curve for me because obviously with running, you, we didn't really eat too much during our training sessions, right? The, The training staff may have had like bottles of Gatorade or, you know, other drinks and things out there. But other than that, we just kind of like, you know, ate before and then after the training sessions, but I've really had to learn how to fuel during training sessions um, because you're not just fueling for that session. You're also still fueling for what's after that, because obviously the triathlon, you're still training swim, bike, and run. Um, Mm -hmm. And so if you deplete yourself in one session, you might get through that session fine, but your other sessions will suffer. So uh, precision fuel and hydration. I got in touch with them last year because I did my first Ironman at Ironman Texas and I completely screwed up my nutrition strategy. I had my carb plan down, but I neglected how much sodium that I needed. Um, And one thing that I did with them is an an advanced sweat test. So with that Mm -hmm. sweat test, it... Uh, will give it gives information on how much sodium you're losing per liter of sweat. So for a lot of people that can range from maybe 200 milligrams per liter, which is really low. And that would be awesome <laughs> being one of those people. <laughs> and then they said one of the highest people they measured was 2,400 milligrams per liter, wow. which is okay. really, really high. Yeah. Uh, personally, I'm at 1310, which is still pretty high. Um, I think, yeah, a lot of athletes are a lot of, I think from what I've seen, it seems like most athletes are like under a thousand, but I'm still jealous of those people. Um, so <laughs> that, you know, that being said, it is harder to take in and, um, take in those electrolytes, to, especially in those hot conditions like Ironman Texas. So in that race, I started cramping at like mile 60 on the bike. And then I never really dug myself out of that hole. Um, but they've been helpful on helping me figure out exactly what I need and then how to replace that, uh, in specific races. Um, and so they, their products include, uh, their, their gels, which are 30 grams in each gel. Uh, they do have a larger gel packet, which has 90 grams in it which is good for those like longer runs. Mm -hmm. Uh, They also have like a a powder mix that also has carbs and sodium in it. Um, One of my go-to things that I use daily, multiple times a day are their like effervescent electrolyte tabs, um, which if you're familiar with like noon, they, they make some that are similar. The thing that precision does, which is a little bit unique is that they are tailored based on what you need. So they have tabs that are 500 milligrams a serving of sodium, um, tabs that are a thousand milligrams a serving, and then tabs that are 1500 milligrams a serving. So you can obviously get what you need based on your, your sweat loss and sodium loss. Um, gosh, let's see what else. Yeah, I think that covers the gist of it, but they've been they're, it's a really good team that they're very smart and very helpful, super down to earth people. Um, and it, it's very accessible to like anybody because you can do free 20 minute calls with them too, just to help dial things in. But they also have online, uh, like a fuel planner, which actually is pretty accurate in helping you figure out what you need for your next race. 
Yeah, all, all good info. I have used some of their products and I can attest to for the hashtag has-beens like myself who are just, you know, out there pounding <laughs> whenever they get the chance. I utilize their questionnaire as far as um, fueling plan specifically for yeah. the marathon distance. And I did find it very accurate and helpful. And I like that their gels specifically are neutral flavored. Mm-hmm. They are. Um, as, a, as opposed to like... Um, maybe a goo or something that's like chocolate or coffee flavored. It's like after, you know, your fifth one of those, it's like, okay, I'm over that. Can yeah. you just give me something neutral? So I, I mean, kind of, when you say goo, I almost instantly gag. <laughs> <laughs> like no offense. Like, sorry, you, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not throwing <laughs> stones, but I've just had a lot of moments in races where I just like, when you're like in need of something, but you're like on the limit and you put it in your mouth and it's just like that thick consistency and just hits the wrong spot. And it's just like not pleasant. <laughs> the overall consistency of most gel products is kind of gag reflexy. This is true. Yeah. And I actually I have started, um, and because of that, so I carry a flask with me when I run in races. And so it has 90 grams of the gel in the 500 milliliter flask and then that flask is filled with water so basically it's like just drinking a drink i guess yeah 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 all of the nutrition questions and if you don't if you don't mind me asking i would love to learn a little bit more about how it works in the pro world as far as like hey this is how you are putting food on the table like um i'm so curious, is it more so like sponsorships? Is it um, race prizes, money or, yeah. I mean, are you, are you able to shed any, any light on that? Sure. Yeah, there's, um, so pro triathlon is a challenging sport to make a living in. There's very few pros that um, are able to rely solely on like race winnings and sponsor support. Uh, maybe like your top 10, maybe 10 in the world. And now, I so one of the reasons why it, it is starting to become a little bit more sustainable because the Professional Triathletes Organization is a newer organization. It's been around for a few years now, but they've been investing a significant amount of money into long course triathlon. Um, and then they have last year, they were financially, uh, helping and paying the top hundred ranked athletes this year, they've dropped that down to the top 50 ranked athletes, but they are investing also quite a bit into, uh, this, the TVS, the TV side of the sport to, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just make it more popular for the general audience because, you know, if you tell somebody you're a triathlete, one of the first questions someone's going to ask is, oh, so you've done Kona or you've done that race in Hawaii, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when people think triathlon, they think of the Ironman World Championships in Kona, Hawaii. Um, mm-hmm. Understandably so, right? Uh, but the, the, the PTO, the Professional Triathletes Organization has been working really hard just to bring long course triathlon to the forefront of um, people's minds and make it more exciting to watch. Um, so there's that, um, but then kind of go, let's see, going back to your question. So you do have race winnings, you do have sponsorships. Um, 
And then you may have a, a lot of triathletes or coaches as well. Okay. Yeah. And so that coaching helps, helps offset quite a bit. Um, and then, you know, a lot of other triathletes have jobs too. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of figuring out what fits and what you need for your lifestyle. Is this bad of me to say aloud? I would think as a professional helping others who maybe aren't at the same level as you, I'd be like, I don't have time for you, Deborah. I'm like over here killing myself <laughs> in a training session. This question can wait. I, I, I think with any coach, any coach has to set their boundaries of when they're available. <laughs> and, you know, it's part of your, I mean, if someone's paying you for a job, you're going to do your job. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm being, being somewhat facetious, but. Mm-hmm. I could see, you know, um, yeah, anywho, I digress. Um, what are maybe some of your favorite races in your professional career that come to mind? Oh, that's a good question. Um, okay. So simply based on venue location. Oh, let's see. I have <laughs> the, this, Okay. Sorry, I'm having a conversation in my mind. Um, <laughs> it's all good. This is a happy, happy, safe space. Uh, let's see. One of my favorites was Dubai, which of course it's kind of exotic, right? But that was mm-hmm. such a cool race because Dubai in itself is stunning. Of course, you hear about the architecture over there um, is beautiful. Um, you swim out in the, uh, I guess it's the Arabian Sea, which was a really cool blue color. Um, mm-hmm. And then... Let's see here. The it wasn't so much about like the actual race itself. I think what was really cool to me was like what you get to do like after the race because we went out into the desert and rode camels. Um, there was there's also like this bike highway that goes out like 80k, I think like one direction, and it's mm-hmm. essentially this like six. I want to say it might have been six to ten foot wide path that just traveled straight through the desert. I mean you saw on all four sides of you, just like sand everywhere. <laughs> so it was really cool to train out there. Um, I really like Cozumel simply because the water is like crystal clear and you can see all the fish. Um, it's also mm-hmm. a great place to vacation. Um, <laughs> gosh. Oh, I raced in, in Nice in France. Uh Again, a beautiful location, great place to vacation afterwards. (laughs) I'm I'm sensing a common trend here, dude. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Although I don't really vacation around my races at all, but it's kind of like the whole, from the beginning to the end, right? The the training beforehand, the race itself, and then maybe spending a day or two afterwards. So, yeah. Um, Two questions. One. I'm impressed you could even get yourself on a camel after enduring that. But again, I guess that's why you do it for a living. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, like everything hurts, can't move, just like wasting <laughs> me on the camel. <laughs> um, and then my other question was, because of all of the international travel that takes place, have you ever, if not, I hope it never happens, knock on wood, had some sort of mishap with, oh my gosh, my gear or my bikes, like something happened to my bike in transit. Goodness. So you're going to make me have to think back a little bit. Um, I guess that's good then if nothing immediately comes to mind. Well, because of COVID, right? In 2020, the world obviously shut down. 
And then there, we have, I haven't traveled much internationally since before COVID. Um, I don't know that I've traveled internationally at all. I might've gone to Mexico. I don't know if Mexico really counts though. Um, <laughs> I don't think that I've actually had anything crazy happen. Yeah. I mean, knock on wood, thankfully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope it stays. I could just be like, oh my gosh, like that would be something at Baylor. I'm comparing apples to oranges, but at Baylor, I'd be like, oh no, do I have my shoes? And I would check 20 times. But it's not like you can mm -hmm. just be like, oh, let me look under the plane, make sure my bike's there. Well, I mean, there have been times when I've forgotten things, which have been, like, recently I forgot a through axle um, for the bike, which is, you know, so for a disc brake bike, you have the through axle, um, which is required to hold the bike or to hold the wheel onto the bike. Right. Mm -hmm. So I left that at home. So it was kind of a scramble finding one uh, before the race. But I mean, yeah, I mean, with triathlon, there's just like so many, there's so many things. There's so many things, right? It's not just running. You're like, okay, bring your running shoes and your outfit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like with this, you've got like your swim gear, you know, all of your bike stuff, your bike tools, your, all of your, your bottles, your nutrition, the run stuff. It's kind of the easy part. I don't know. There's just a lot of things. A lot of things can go wrong. Yeah. Yes. Which is why it's even more amazing. You do what you do. Um, kind of last topic genre. I can imagine this takes obviously so much time and like physical wherewithal. How do you, what's the secret to success um, as far as balancing all of this? Gosh, that's a good question. Um, secret to success for balancing all of it. I honestly don't know if there's any triathlete that's truly balanced. <laughs> I mean, you have to like, well, truly think about it. So I train, you know, 20 to 30 hours a week. That's, that's the time that I hit start on the watch and then stop. That doesn't include the prep for the workout and then the recovery from the workout. Um, that doesn't include like the time, all of the times you have to eat <laughs> throughout the day. Right. So there's a lot of like in between stuff. And so you, it's really about, you have to make your lifestyle around it. Um, mm -hmm. And then if your lifestyle is around it, it's important that the people in your life are supportive of that too. And that they're invested in it and they're, they enjoy the journey and then they're part of the journey. Um, I have a lot of admiration for age group athletes who are working the 40, 40 plus hours a week. Uh, they have kids that they are taking to their sports practices or all of their extracurricular activities. Um, but then they're also training for Ironman to me, like those people are even more impressive than the professional athletes. Um, because I mean, as for a lot of pros you train, you eat, you sleep, you sit on the couch in between stuff, right? <laughs> and that's part of the reason why pros are better than most is because they recover better than most. Most age group athletes are going from waking up at 4 a.m. or earlier to do their workout, then they go straight to work, and then maybe a lunch workout, then straight to work again, then some stuff in the evening, then another workout, right? So it's like mm -hmm. their recovery is simply limited. So. I mean, you just do the best that you can 
try not to put too much pressure on yourself, know what your goals are, um, just trying to stay very present and in the moment and not overwhelming yourself with those goals. Obviously you set those goals, but then you just have to be very present and mindful about, um, yeah, what you're doing. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does make sense. Are there any particular shout outs to sponsors or maybe people you train with resources for the everyday average Joe pursuing an Ironman um, for themselves, you know, what you would share? Sure. So one, I, I will mention to you something because I think that you will find it interesting um, is one company that we've been working with is Super Sapiens. Have you, are you familiar with Super Sapiens? Only because I saw it on you were wearing a hat and I was like, oh, like superhumans. I wonder what that is. <laughs> so uh, Super Sapiens is a, it's a European company um, and they're not selling yet in the States from my understanding, but that's coming. Uh, but what they do is it, they, so I have it on my arm, right? It's a glucose monitor. Mm. So like, it's what people with diabetes will wear to track their um, blood sugar. And so mm -hmm. this one is designed specifically for athletes. Uh, and they the app is designed also for athletes and they give you the ranges where you want to be when you are at rest. And then when you are working out, right. And so you work to target those performance zones. Um, mm -hmm. and then you also work to avoid kind of those spikes in your blood glucose, right? right. So a lot of spikes can create inflammation in the body. Um, mm -hmm. it can create fatigue. Um, but then if you also know, like if you eat breakfast and you have a spike, then you're going to uh, subsequently, you're going to have a drop. Um, so if you know, like when you eat breakfast and you can know, like when to time your next workout, because you don't want to start your workout when you're going to be in that lull. Um, yeah. So there have been some really cool applications of a super sapiens, uh, device. And so that's something just to kind of keep an eye out for um, in the future as it becomes available to the U.S. market. Um, and then one, okay, so this one, it's just going to be completely like selfish plug because I just love this company. It's a very small company and I just hope everybody goes and supports them. Um, so Bamboo Works, I know you've seen probably some posts of mine on my Instagram about Bamboo mm -hmm. Works. So it's, very, it's a small company. It's two people, Larry and Cynthia. And it's just, so it's a mom and pop operation. They uh, are really passionate about triathlon and they're just passionate about being really good people. Um, it's kind of like, if you meet them, you have this instant like connection to them that like, hey, like I feel like we're a family already. Uh, but they <laughs> make uh, socks, headbands, hats beanies they're just coming out with a really cool running cap but everything they do they do is made with bamboo so it is antimicrobial um it's super light and uh it takes the moisture away from your body really well um the important thing about like the socks being antimicrobial like no kidding i smelled my socks after my last race which i wore in the race <laughs> i saw that i, stuck, I saw that i stuck my foot to my face smells i don't know why i didn't take the sock off my foot i stuck my foot to my face <laughs> And, um, yeah, they didn't stink at all. I was like, I've never had socks that don't stink. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. So super sapiens bamboo works. Is there, um, yeah, yeah. anybody or anything no, else? 
yeah, no, I mean, I'm just super thankful for the the people in my life. You know, my husband, super supportive. Um, my coach is really, um, obviously helpful too. So if anybody has any questions about anything, I'm an open book. People can reach out to me anytime. I'm pretty responsive on Instagram. So, uh, Danny Lewis try. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, D so much insight info and, I am very interested in Super Sapiens. Definitely going to be Googling that later this evening. And uh, yeah, always a pleasure to see your lovely face. Oh, it's so good seeing yours also. <laughs> Thanks, D. Yep, thank you. Y'all, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Dietitianist Podcast. So much love and support to Danielle Lewis. All show resources and shout outs will be included in the show notes. In the meantime, and until next time, y'all, cheers.